Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in various ways. One of them is you are at my blog, which is lordgaul.podbean.com. Lord Gaul was my name when I was on the fight forums in the early 2000s when I fell in love with the sport. Or you are on the iTunes search engine, which is enter Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine, and my show pops right up. Uh, Man, I really wanted to do a lot of episodes over these last few weeks. Um, the reason why I didn't is once I start focusing on my year in kickfighting um, highlight, it takes up so much of my time. And, you know, I, I've got two adopted boys and I've got a gym that I run and we've got a bunch of fights coming up and got a new cage and got my own fight promotion that I do with uh, boxing and MMA mix. I just didn't have the time to really commit to the show with good insight. It'd be more me looking at the results and then just saying something as opposed to sitting down and doing the study. So I want to make sure if I do a show that you guys are, you know, it's something that you guys enjoy and something that's, you know, when I first got into doing this podcast, I think I did my first one in 2009 maybe 2010 for my first one. I think it was 2009. Um, come to think of it, it was 2008. When I first started doing this podcast, it's because podcasts came out and I couldn't wait for a kickboxing podcast. And there wasn't one out there. And I would listen to uh, the Jordan Breen show on Sheer Dog, and he would talk about kickboxing whenever there was a major event. There was a guy, uh, I think his name was Brandon, he used to call into the show and he would ask about kickboxing. Um, if there was a big you know, K1 World Grand Prix or, you know, something like that. And I was like, man, I really want to have a podcast that I could listen to on a regular basis. So I figured, well, maybe I should be the one to do it. And here I am. That was 2008 and here we are 2024. So thank you again for all the people who listen to this podcast. Uh, definitely this episode is the next one in particular are ones that I really want you to share and put out there. I really want to try to hit it hard this year. I want to try to be as regular as I can. There is so much going on in the kickboxing world and I'm just excited to bring it to you all. So first of all, let's go ahead and close 2023. Um, it overall it was a fantastic year for kickboxing and, you know, kickboxing and Muay Thai. And the reason why I say it is when I do the year in kickfighting highlight, there are years where the highlight goes way down in the numbers, like in how long it is. And I was worried about how long it is because when I first did them, they were like 30 minutes long. <laughs> you know, I first did them and it was just kind of a one watch. Uh, and I realized, okay, when I make this highlight, it is going to be something that people usually just watch one time. Um, so I shouldn't worry so much about the length of it, but doing something close to 30 minutes is too long. So then I hit my sweet spot there. I started being, you know, between that 16 and, and 20 minute mark after a few years, I really was proud of my 2016 highlight. But the main thing is when I sit down and I put the content down and I look at the highlights over the years, over that year. It tells me how good the year was, not just in the kickboxing action, but in the variety and how much I get the pull from to make highlights. Um, it's almost a little bit, in some ways, it's a little bit easier to make the highlight now because um, the video, the ability to get video over Twitter has made it really, really easy when I used to be all YouTube videos. Um, and then when I first started, it was all uploaded. So just definitely grateful for those opportunities for those people who are posting and uploading on a regular basis. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I get fan views of things and sometimes I get footage from the, you know, the company real early on, um, whether it be Rise or K1 or so on. But 
I really put it out there because I want people to fall in love with kickboxing. So it was announced recently, uh, Carlos from K1, uh, they were in Ishii, they're talking about, you know, and I'll talk about it more in next week's episode, but they're talking about the goal is to put together kickboxing in such a way that um, we people think about it like they think about MMA. They want it to be up there. And product-wise, it's just as good. So as I was putting this highlight together, I'm noticing how much more content and how many more elite athletes we have now. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that kickboxing is in that place and grateful that um, all things point to a very, very successful um, 2024 kickboxing year because 2023 really built up so basically we had 2022 and it had the match you know and of course that was a huge huge deal um to have the biggest event in the history of kickboxing bigger than you know almost some of the years i'd say it was bigger than their whole you know even the the glory days of k1 i would say you can argue and I guess I'd have to see the numbers, but the match probably made more money than those years combined, you know, like it was that successful, you know, of an event and, um, and it made stars, you know, even though Takuru, uh, didn't get the, the win, he's still pretty much household over here in the States. Everybody knows him. Tenshin Nasakawa, uh, I actually got a little heartbroken, you know, him moving to boxing, I know it was his dream, and of course, I know he sees how, you know, uh, uh, Noya Inua and how he's treated and how he's seen as a star and how he's come over to America at success, but I almost feel like Tension, as dope as he was, his stock has gone down. Like, people aren't as interested in it. Luckily, when you see somebody find the footage and post it, it's kickboxing. It's a kickboxing fan that goes out and says, hey, this was his third bout. So, I'm hoping that he's able to pick that steam up a little bit because he's super talented, but man... Uh, that match created what, you know, made the 22, you know, 2022, you, ah, 2022 year special. So then this, this is the follow-up year. What happens afterwards? Well, clearly you see it. Um, Glory consistently doing shows, focusing more on the European market. Uh, you've got the, you know, rise, you know, basically all Japan right now, but man, they have such talented young people emerging. One of them we're going to talk about when I talk about the, uh, uh, the fighter of the year, um, we really did have, you know, K1, of course, they're doing their shows regular. Crush, working underneath them. They're producing new young stars all the time. Uh, we're killing it. We're doing a great job right now, you know, building this brand. And uh, the idea of co-promotion and stuff that's been emerging, that was really, really cool for me to hear. You know, that that's the goal of a lot of people. So, uh, but let's go ahead and, you know, putting that highlight together and, you know, seeing the, the what happened in this year and how much footage I got put together. I was excited to revisit a lot of the year in kickfighting. And, and it really is, even though I'm, you know, known as a striking coach in MMA and, and you know, I... I have had a lot of success with mixed martial arts fighters and my my biggest checks have come from, you know, my corner work and the percentage I get working for elite MMA fighters. My favorite sport and combat sports will always be kickboxing and I will always have Muay Thai and kickboxing in my heart uh, because it just... The moment I was introduced to it, I kind of fell in love with it immediately and I jumped into the culture and it was just so cool to go back to the fight forum in those days and how many people just connected and reached out and and how that, you know, I had a guy who was sending me videos from from Europe, 
and uh, you know he would break down. He had access to full events and uh, just fight for him community and I, literally a friend of mine's. Um, you know who'll be my friend for life. I met him in the fight for him, and I got to go out and stay with him. <laughs> and one time I stayed with him, and then the other time I stayed with his mom when I went out to to Holland to to live and train. And I'm like, this all was birthed in fight community and fight form community. So I want to be a part of making kick fight, you know, kick fighting and kickboxing videos uh, and Muay Thai videos for as long as I can, because the community really does mean a lot. And I'm hoping that this podcast spreads and becomes big. So I'm going to go ahead and get back into it. So here is my fighter of the year and everybody's got their own view fighter of the year uh i you know combat press they had a really really good and i mean i'm fine with anybody that chooses this they went toki with uh toki uh tamora uh tamaru excuse me tamaru uh they went with toki tamaru and the thing with toki i i think the reason why they may have liked him is the reason why other people liked him it's he's first of all he's young you know definitely you know, 21 years old, I believe he's looking like he's going to be a future star. But when the Rise did their 54 kg tournament, you didn't go into that tournament thinking this is going to birth, you know, um, a world champion that that, um, you know, he would not have been one of the names that you would pick to win the tournament. He made his name on the tournament in the way that Bokal made his name on the K1 World Grand Prix. Before that tournament, I did not hear Bokal's name on a lot of people's lips. Uh, he just did the, uh, what was it, the King of Martial Arts event. And then, um, you know, he beat uh, Jordan Ty in the elimination round. But that split decision I talk about all the time is probably one of the most decisions of all, or most important decisions in the history of kickboxing. Him getting the split decision over John Wei Parr and going on to win and dominate the K1 World Grand Prix open the way for him being arguably the greatest kickboxer of all time, especially if you look at his overall resume. Now, I know a lot of people like, George, you know, George Petrosian. There's going to be the people who jump on them. Of course, they, they, have fought, they fought to a draw when they did fight. But if I look at it overall, overall, it's my personal view, I think that the strongest argument for best kickboxer of all time is going to be Bokao or it's going to be Tyrone Spong. But if I look at, you know, again, who'd you beat? When'd you beat him? How'd you beat him? overweight classes, stuff like that. Um, so when I look at, you know, tomorrow uh, getting this victory, I, I feel like, you know, ha having more stoppages would have helped it. But man, he really, really is slick. He's super skilled. I understand why Combat Press said, hey, at the end of the year, this is the guy. He really put on a great show, uh, great hand speed, um, you know, uh, love the body kick. I love the body head kick, the, the inside low kicks. I love the spacing. Um, I love how he's got the good timing on his step knees. He's a super talent. I understand why they picked him. He would have been up there on my list, just not my number one. Um, another one to look at is Lisi, uh, uh, the guy who um, won the K1 Openweight Grand Prix. All stoppages. I got to see him live. I went to Japan um, and I got to watch the uh, December K1 group event in Osaka. You know, I went out there for a business meeting. I, I want to talk about bringing, you know, K1 uh, to America. And I got to watch the event. And, you know, even then he is a hulking figure. He's big. He's muscular. He looks the part getting off the bus, as we say in America. Um, he 
very, very, you know, good hand speed. Uh, the calf kick was killing everybody, killing everybody with the calf kick. And he, it was mental. He was going to chop that calf no matter what you did. Uh, he was able to get guys hurt and then finish it with boxing for some. But most guys were just done in by the calf kick. He had a really good year. He had five stoppages past year. You know, he he really came on the scene. He really did well. Um Another good that was another good option. Donovan Vise went three and oh, he was my co fighter of the year when I first put it together. I was like, hey man, I think Donovan Vise three and oh, high level opposition. But in the end, I decided that you know, even though if you go, hey, who should you watch in kickboxing? If you've never seen kickboxing before, who should you sit down and watch? I'm gonna say Donovan Vise as one of the top five guys because I believe his skill set, his defense, his ability to mix his combos with his kicks, his knees to his do his you know to his boxing, like the, the the way he puts it together, he is at the top one of the best I'd ever seen. You know, and I'd say, hey, this is a guy to watch. You know, uh, Josh Johnson is another one like that where I'm like, hey. Watch Josh Johnson. You're going to see kickboxing at its best. The combo to kick game uh, is put together with this athlete really well. So I really did have him up there. But in the end, I decided to take a step back and just give it to one guy. And I decided that Chinkis Alazov was my 2023 year in kick fighting fighter of the year. He is a phenomenal talent. I, I wish, if all things that he got the Georgia Petrosian fight back. It's the one fight where I felt like from the beginning, he didn't look himself. Like, look, looked off, looked sick. I remember he was knocked down in the fight. He never looked like himself. And that happens, you know, he's been fighting. But ever since uh, he, you know, emerged in those um, Italian events where they were trying to uh, recreate, recreate K1 just for Italy because George Petrosian was still the star. Chinkazalazo was like 18, 19 years old, killing people on the undercards there. And that's my first introduction to him. And uh, he went on to have a special, special career. He's got a lot of big time wins over his career and just he's talent. Like, you know, I feel like I've gotten to watch almost all of his career before my eyes. And uh, this, you know, 2023, he gets the fight with Superbond and beating Superbond is one thing. You know, some other guys have done that to stop Superbond by KO was something special. And hilariously enough, the other guy to do is Murat Kagorian, and he's got the victory over Murat. Murat Kagorian had his number before this past year. So he goes out there and he gets the KO of the year, closes the distance. Basically, the thing with the Superbond is... Um, Chingiz Alzov, as he's fighting Superbond, Superbond has seen it all. So his counter game is really strong and he keeps you off balance because you just don't know the speed and the quickness in which Superbond's going to deliver his own offense. So that keeps people from throwing effectively at the ties. So the ties have seen it all. So whenever you say, hey, this guy beat a person in Thailand, normally the tie has the advantage because they've been fighting since they were, you know, nine to 13 years old in that range so when you they get to you they've seen everything that you're going to try the big thing was sometimes the you know uh the Thai style because they step away they wait for your offense to finish and they go back to looking for their opportunities and what Alazov did especially with that being in a ring he just closed the distance with his feet and whenever you expected him to stop throwing he didn't and if something, you know, shut down, he'll snap the high kick with the lead leg or the back leg really quick. Uh, but he put his power boxing combos together when he holds the distance on you. And if you're waiting for him to stop throwing offense, he's not scared of your counter. So he's just going to sit there and keep eating until you relocate. So basically what happened in the fight was he closes it down. He gets into a... Um, 
uh, gets his uh, offense going, he gets Superman to bail to his left. His left went right into Chingiz's right hand. Remember, there's no uh, corner or anything. He basically used the circle of the, the cage to predict this is where you're going to go. When he stepped that way, he moved right into the power hand to kind of, you know, escape the offense. And that scored the first knockdown. And you saw he was in trouble. And then, of course, he goes closer to the distance. Once again, cage is behind him. So there's no back step. He lets his offense go and he scores a big right hand. Uh, after the first knockdown, he, you know, gets the second knockdown. clean KO fight you know ko of the year type stuff just awesome awesome uh, uh you know it's he competed in both uh well let me go ahead and finish with uh, with him um awesome awesome stuff i thought here um and it was the start of why i gave him fight of the year and once that KO happens, I go, hey, he's going to be tough to beat. Then I see the Maracagorian fights made. I'm like, all right, dope. This is going to be something that I want to see. It's a special fight. I'm glad these guys are making it happen. Um, it's going to determine who the, the best is at 154 in the world. You know, they've got, they're going to have a really strong argument. So they go out there and they put it together. And, you know, it was an entertaining fight. One of the fights of the year. Excellent, excellent stuff. But the... Chingiz Alzov got up, uh, not just with his offensive numbers, but he was able to limit Murat Gregorian's return offense by where his movement was after he got his offense off. And I thought that it was a brilliant performance. I thought Gregorian, you know, picked it up late, but at that point it was probably too late on the cards. Uh, and then those two big victories, in my opinion, made him fighter of the year. Very, very special stuff. Um... I'm curious to see what he does to back it up. Um, I'm seeing all this co-promotion co talk. I don't know if he'll be included in it. I hope so, because he really is a talent. But man, special years for Shingaz Alzov, and I'm glad that he gets his due on the world stage. A couple other people I wanted to mention, um, Jonathan Haggerty, course getting the non-o ko was just awesome another one of the ko's of the year just uh the way the fight took place it was uh for a one round fight it was awesome they were really sitting in the pocket and really throwing heavy but then of course you know he plays with that low high and then he was able to you know put the the, the jab downstairs two upstairs to, to score the first knockdown and then of course a barrage of elbows for the second knockdown and then he was able to get him out of there with his boxing to win that and then to go on and win um, their kickboxing title. Now, Drage isn't the best kickboxer uh, as far as resume goes. He's a tough guy, but but not no one on the world stage would be like, this is the guy to represent the weight class, you know, for, you know, uh, for like a top 10 perspective. Uh, still a good fight that they put together. But Haggerty looked like a kickboxer. He played a combination low kick game. Like his team, his fight team, they put together the game plan and they worked his style so that he looked like a kickboxer because the offense does come different sometimes. It doesn't have to look like a body kick, you know, lead tap, you know, tie style that you move over to kickboxing. He has that style for Muay Thai, but when he fought kickboxing, he fought a combination to kick game and i thought that was absolutely brilliant of course he gets the head kick to get andrade in trouble uh and then andrade in trouble if i remember correctly uh and then he closes the distance and gets a stoppage so it was awesome stuff um for him and a really a person that i think people should pay attention to as far as fighter of the year goes it was um it was really cool really cool to see and uh 
um, fun year that these guys were the ones to really take the mantle for kickboxing uh, for the men. Now I'm going to go ahead and move over to the women. And I talked about before, it, it really does kind of come down to preference. Um, and, and I never want to take what, you know, someone's view of who they feel the best is. But I want to go ahead and move over to the women's game. And the number one, and this is just... I'll go ahead and I'll start with the girls who did not win for me, though they did, you know, excellent. But the women who I feel, you know, are also of note, um, number one, of course, uh, uh, I'll go ahead and bring a comment press because I know they're one of the ones that they do a year in review kind of, you know, kickboxing. They won with uh, Rina Kobayashi. And I think that that's a really good pick. I think Arena fought a lot. Uh, again, very young, 23 years old, if I remember correctly. Um Got five wins in the year, uh, complete offense. And when she closes the distance, you guys saw it in my kickboxing highlight. When she lets her hands go, people get hurt. And uh, good combination game. Um, she has strong kicks, but mainly it's the, the boxing. Once she gets in the distance, she's able to, to get her timing and uh, out-athlete people in certain situations. Really able to, you know, find the footwork, find the, the distance. And when her hands are let go, it's almost like I'm waiting for the other girl to get stopped. And there were some, you know, some girls that kind of tried to hold the ground and tried to battle back, but Arena Kobayashi proved to be one of the, you know, the best talents in the world. Uh, I believe for me, she was a very close second for fighter of the year, but I understand why. But at 23 years old, we get her for a long time. So I'm excited. I hope they put together uh, a, a really good tournament that gives her a, a chance to showcase against other international talents. Most of the opposition she has so far, you know, a lot of them are Japanese based. So it only builds your brand more when you get the opportunity to fight outside of it. So she definitely did a fantastic job and uh, excited for her. Um, Antonio, uh, Antonia, uh, Prifty, who have, was kind enough to, I'm working on another kickboxing documentary, uh, she was kind enough to be in the, the documentary after she got her big time win over Kana. Uh, she is, you know, I believe she went 3-0 or 4-0 in the year. Uh, combination game was slick. As we're watching it, I remember I'm sitting there with one of my students. His name is uh, Cooley. Cooley is, you know, uh, I've mentioned him on this podcast before. He is my first champion. Uh, he is one a gentleman who I'm just crazy proud of. He's got one of the best gyms in the country, uh, you know, Warman Muay Thai in uh, Minnesota. And uh, he's with me in Japan. And we're watching this fight. And I'm like, you know, they brought in the wrong, you know, the, the, the girl they brought in this time is not like the girls they brought in before. She was able to mow those girls over. This girl is given some professional resistance. And I have her up. Like I said, I, like I think that she's winning the rounds. Her combination to kick came was as smooth as it gets. Another person who I'd add to the list, the complete work of the boxing to the kicks, she looked fantastic. She looked absolutely fantastic. So she got that victory that night. She got the title over Kana. She said it was her dream all time to go to Japan. That's one of the themes of the movie, the documentary I'm working on. Um, but, you know... She just did, you know, fantastic. Fantastic year for her. Very, very good talent. I'm curious to see, you know, if Kana can, you know, fix some things and maybe go at that one again. But man, Ant um, Antonia put on a, a clinic that day. She fought excellent. Very, very talented person. Uh, and I'm excited to see more from her. 
I decided to go with uh, uh, Fat Gigia for one championship who, again, super, we're talking young. This is the girl who burst on the scene. I want to say the first time she emerged was 2013 or 2012. And she was known as the girl who beat the boys. Now, this has come up before because Iman Barlow, she also was called the girl that beat the boys because before the age of 13, 14, um, you know, uh, 12, 11, 10, the difference between men and women or boys and girls, the strength difference isn't that significant, like until that puberty hits and there's kind of like a separation. But when they're young, they're just kids being kids. So Aman was able to have a lot of success, you know, because she had the tie cell down, she had the aggression, uh, she was really, really talented. She was able to have success over the boys and then even she said it and then we got 13 and then they got stronger and things changed. Fajija, who knows how far she would have gone, but she got so much attention as being a girl who beat the boys that when she turned 13 and 14 years old, uh, there was a big push in the West to kind of bring in um, girl or like the, this idea of uh, they want to bring up kid fighting. They wanted to show that on their media outlets. So all of my friends in Thailand, they would say, hey, anytime somebody from the West reaches out to me, they want to know if I can get them footage of kids fighting because they want to, you know, show it in the West and say this is how horrible it is in Thailand and all this other kind of stuff. Now, I've talked about the cultural implications of why that you know, happened before, so I won't go in full uh, again on why young people fight in Thailand. But while this, you know, um, uh, uh, was going on, Fat Chija was doing great. And so now there's this, this pull. There's this part of society that's like, everyone's equal. If a woman's doing well, we want her to still dominate and do well in the men's field. She gets the opportunity. And then there's this kids shouldn't be fighting and the narratives were all around her when she started to do really well so then i think she was 13 years old when it happened somebody showed up somebody politician something showed up at an event and they canceled the event they said that you know kids shouldn't be fighting or something like that something they did for publicity and uh that was kind of what the last time that 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 time period was probably one of the last times that you heard about her fighting boys so now here she is much bigger, much stronger, much still as fast. And she is competing. She gets her one championship debut. She gets uh, uh, to go. She goes to get Fanny first, uh, the, the Greece fighter who is just uh, a darling. She fights all the time and uh, she stops her. She gets several stoppages in the year and then she rounds the year up by clearly beating Anissa Mexen, which just blows people away like it was i mean it was 50 45 or 49 46 depending on who you were but the skill set and the ability to stand right in front of her because one of the main things that if you've ever seen this mexican fight she plays on the slight hop and she'll play single kicks and she'll try to get you to throw offense at her when you throw offense at her she's so fast with her kick return that she can get it off and then she's so good with her what we call playing second playing second and countering are not the same thing countering is punching with somebody so if someone's throwing a right hand you're throwing a hook at the same time you're playing the counter like you read their offense you're playing the counter if you play second someone gets their offense and then you get your offense right afterwards to try to take it off the scorecard and just score more significantly that is anissa mexen's game the problem with doing that with fetchija was she is so hardened to fight in the pocket that 
she was able to hold her ground, score offense, and when Mexen would try to go second, she would go in between. So then Mexen wasn't able to get get off and and score well in those moments. She was scored and moved away, and and uh, it was just um, it was a very very high level performance over a girl who was most considered an all time great, if not the best ever. Anissa Mexen, she she schooled her and. It just blew me away that, you know, and it's the reason why I think of, of the Chingas so high. When you go against someone elite level, when Chingas beat Superbond, it wasn't in doubt. This was not a close fight. He won on the cards after round one. He stopped him in round two. This, to me, was clear. She announced herself as one of the best on the planet. And now you start off your career, you're, you know, 20 years old, and you just beaten, you know, maybe the best of all time, or at least top three best of all time, top five best of all time. Now the question is, how do you build on this? We got some Erica, you know, as a possibility down the road, hopefully. Uh, we've got some big time opportunities for Fetichia. But man, I think that she has got talent like I've ever seen that, like I've rarely seen. And there's a chance that she could be the greatest of all time when this is all done. So uh, one other thing of note, want to give a small moment to talk about Tiffany Van Seuss. Uh, I mentioned it before. I had a full episode dedicated to her, but I love that she was able to finish her career with the, you know, being her. The movement, the, you know, the angle switching, um, the suddenness of the offense. She scores a switch kick, you know, left kick high for the, for the KO. Um I wish her all the best. She reached out to me. Uh, she asked about us doing the podcast and then just kind of revisiting her career. So I'll probably do that in the coming weeks. But man, fantastic stuff by the ladies. Um, and uh, I hope as this game moves forward, as women fall in love with kickboxing and Muay Thai, I'm seeing more and more names out there all the time. I hope that they invest in looking at these um, these fighters and the, the woman that we have now and that they're inspired because if you look at who the champion is and people try to mirror that champion or those champions, it lifts the whole game up. So in boxing, when Mayweather was popular, all of a sudden you start seeing Philly Shell all over the place. I watched a local boxing event uh, when I was living in Minnesota, and I remember there were these two guys, they were young prospects, uh, the Litzow, Litzow brothers. Um, Jason Litzow, of course, had more success uh, than his brother. His brother was a better amateur. But I just watched as all of a sudden they started like playing Philly Shell stuff. Now, not everybody was Mayweather with it, but because of him being the best, you started to see people play Philly Shell a lot more with that lead shoulder. You also started to see people have the long chain combos. It's the champion did it, so then it dictated what the whole fight team looked like. The whole fight world looked like what the champion was looking, you know, how he performed. When Bacow was king, a lot of people played with a lot of the body kicks and, the, and you know, um, uh, the low kicks, the, the double knees when they got in space. And then, of course, you had the Masato, or excuse me, the Masato and the Andy Sauer style of the boxing to the low kicks. That's what the game looked like. You want the game to look like the best. The unfortunate thing that's happened in the history of women is normally the girl that's number one is athletically superior to all other girls. So if I were to go back to, you know, Jermaine Duradami, she had a huge athletic advantage over all the other girls that she fought. And that goes a long way. You know, like you, you want to see... Um, 
uh, her fight, but you know the athleticism is a real big factor in who the best is. Um, and I think that that hurts other girls from looking at that style and saying, hey, that's what I want to be. I'm going to accomplish that skill-wise. Now the girls who we have coming up, uh, if I look across the, you know, the, 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 the different weight classes and I look across it, you've got these young girls that are extremely, extremely skilled. You know, it's the hope is that they look at the Mon Barlow's of the world and they look at the Fetchichas and the Eurekas and they go, that's the game. That's what it's supposed to look like at the top. I'm going to mirror my style like that. And then it lifts the whole industry up. So definitely hoping that that happens and uh, we continue to, you know, if if this and again, I'll talk about it more next week episode. If there's a something with this cross promotion thing that's starting to, to build up. We are looking for a really special 2024 year, but to make sure that our 2027 looks good, we need the girls of today to, to look at the elite stars that we have. Next, I want to talk about the fight of the year. I never usually, I got away from doing one fight of the year. Like I, uh, uh, it's something that It's a cool thing to do to have one fight, but man, there's just so many good ones that I think in the last couple of highlights, I've usually showcased many. So I'll go ahead and talk about some of them now. Um, Kazuki, Osaki, and uh, Toki Tamaru, uh, excuse me, Tamamaru, excuse me, Tamaru, uh, they put on a show. And it's one of those technical battles. Uh, it was in the semifinals, if I remember correctly. Um, Stood in the pocket. Uh, there was some good low kick work by Asaki early with combos to the inside leg. There's some good quick boxing high kicks, stepping off angles. Um, excellent fight. Excellent fight. Uh, it was close. It determined, I think, the winner of the tournament, I think most people felt would have come from these two now in hindsight. But uh, the fact that um, Tomaru got the victory, which is fantastic stuff. Uh, very, very good, you know. Uh, offense. Uh, I liked the speed of it. I liked when they had their exchange moments. It was extremely, extremely, you know, fun to watch. Um, uh, another one that I really liked from the, and again, this was their third time fighting. Uh, the, you know, this, um, my apologies, quick stop. I just had something, uh, uh, I had a cough and I was kind of holding it back. So I had to pause for a second. So back to it. Um, the third, this was their third meeting, but Akira Kaneko and Masa, uh, Masashi Kumura, awesome, awesome fight. One of my favorites is I'm doing the highlight and I'm revisiting it. And I remember watching it live. I loved it live. Just, it was the fight at its best. Just awesome, awesome stuff in the pocket. Great back and forth. Um, I definitely mentioned that one on the highlight. I think those two, uh, I've got a, there are a couple others. Um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember the highlight off the top of my head. Those were the two that really stood out. And of course, I have the uh, Superlek and, and um, Ratang. That one was a lot of fun. I like the speed of it. I like the single kicks versus the power. I like the fact that Ratang visibly looked like the smaller guy, but definitely brought the fight. Then there was the one lapse where he gets the knockdown scored on him, 
But I, I think he was fine. I just think that they was the angle of the offense. But just the back and forth and the crowd involvement, man, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So as usual, there's always great stuff in kickboxing. Not everything made the highlight because the highlight's long enough as is. But, you know, the um, uh, Papashi and um, Moisa fight was really good uh, from um, the past year. And there was just a lot of great action. But the ones that I mentioned are the ones that really, really stood out. So, yeah. Uh, that will do it for my year in review. Um, as far as the, the awards, uh, I kind of got away from some of the other ones. I, I The highlight will kind of give you more reflections on like some of my favorite K1, you know, KOs and stuff like that. But I really wanted to focus on these were the athletes. Well, I guess I could. I will bring up. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take a time. I'll bring up uh, Nadaka Yoshinari, um, uh, also Ryan uh, from England. I believe he's the first sta uh, uh, English fighter to win a stadium title. But uh, sorry, getting ahead of myself. Naka uh, Nadaka Yoshinari was my stadium fighter of the year uh, for what he did in the uh, uh, Rajanam Stadium. And uh, he is a... I got to drink something. My mouth is dry. Um he really put on a, a clinic this year, a lot of stoppages, fun fighter to watch. And anytime somebody, a Westerner wins a major, you know, tied, you know, stadium championship, we're going to pay, you know, attention to it. And it's funny because um, it doesn't have the lure that it had before, but there's probably more talented guys that are able to do that now. You know, I look back at the history of it and go, man, it doesn't have the, you know, uh, if you had done this in the 90s, it would have had more significance to it. But then I remember over the years, it kept, you know, uh, every once in a while, I'd hear a name from France or so on of a guy who won a major stadium championship. And uh, it just didn't have that feel to it like today, like it did then. But it's still an extremely amazing accomplishment. Because as I said before, most of the ties are already started younger than us. But some of these guys, and, you know, especially if you grew up in like England and France, we are fighting just as much, just as early, you know, like they are fighting in their, their team. So, but I wanted to stop and bring him up because he really is a talent. Um, and uh, he had, a, you know, a special, special year. And I definitely want to see more from uh, Nadaka moving forward. But, you know, uh, if you have never seen Yoshinara, I've got a, uh, I've got a, excuse me, Yoshinari. I've got a little small section on him in the highlight. Um, but yeah, overall, very fun stuff. Very good year. Um, the Hanson fall for the women's, I remember their round three was excellent. I put that in the highlight. Just a great comeback for Hanson. Uh, just really brought the war. Um, just kind of go off the top of my head right now. Uh, but yeah, those are kind of the standouts. And, and when I had mentioned the um, uh, the Kamoru Nadaka fight, uh, that one was... It's... If I had to say, hey, gun to your head, Steven, pick fight, you know, fight of the year. Like, you've got no choice. you got to pick this one. I really think that that one might be, like, just in my personal opinion, as far as the speed of it, the fact that it was the third fight, the drama to it, the Kaneko uh, Kimura, uh, Kimura fight, for me, would have been the 
gun to my head, have to pick one, that would have been my fight of the year. So I didn't want to leave that. I kind of left it, you know, like I said in my highlight, I just put in three or four that I really like. That one for me, I think would have been my fight of the year. I loved it. And I loved, you know, doing the highlight and revisiting how fun it was. So going to go ahead and uh, wrap the show up by talking about this one championship fight, uh, you know, event. Clearly heartbroken. I wanted to see... Rotang versus Takuru. I didn't want anything to get in the way of it. So then when they said they were switching him out and using Superleg, I my head I was like, bro, it, it's just uh Superleg is a much harder fight, and you know, a much bigger guy. Um and he can play a single kick, slow it down game. Uh he could win, you know, a decision for sure. And it's not that it's not that Takuru can't win the fight. That's not what I'm saying. Of course, when he closes the distance, he gets his power kick going. He's going to play calf kick, which a lot of ties don't see as much. I He can for sure get it going. But I really wanted to have nothing in the way of Tang and Takuru. And I'd be much more excited about this weekend. I think the MMA community or the kickboxing community, the online community, uh, Combat Press, and some of the other people who follow kickboxing, I think they're doing a good job of making this what, you know, a, a big event, like talking about it well. Overall, I am not the biggest fan of the card, I will say that. Um, it's uh, Nikki Hoaxian and uh, Akiyama, they're doing like a mixed rules fight. That could be something, you know, uh, Maraka Goring versus Sidichai. This seems like a management fight, something like, hey, I want our guys to have that opportunity, put them on. We've got several guys in one championship, make this happen. But they fought a lot, so there's not really a lot of excitement for me about that fight. Uh, it was really cool seeing that super fan of Maraka Gorians. That was, that was hilarious uh, from Japan, so definitely that's there. Um, and the free portion of it... Uh, of course, you've got Raid uh, uh, Pakic, and he's going against Araj uh, Azipur. Azizpur is a guy who, man, if you didn't know who what Ifma was, you probably hadn't seen him fight at his best. Uh, but he had a really great tournament run one time. Uh, uh, Pakic is a guy who just, he's talented, but he'll disappear. I have no idea why he's not more consistent in the cards, but I'm glad he's here. Overall, it's just not a great kickboxing card you know it's not something that i look at and i'm excited and it's it's fun i'm just being real with you there's not a lot of great kickboxing action uh the fact that it's a pay-per-view that's going to be a tough sell so i hope that works out for them but it's not something that i can see your main base getting behind as a whole but the top of it man super looking and Takuru is going to be awesome they're, they're gonna even if Takuru is like losing on the points. He's always dangerous because he's always throwing them things. He's letting those hands go. So I'm hoping for a fun fight. Clearly the best case scenario for me and for one championship would be if Takuru could win and then they could do the Tang fight going into it. But if he loses, then we have Tang coming off a loss to Superlek and Takuru coming off a loss to Superlek. And we're going to have two guys who lost to a guy in their division come together for a super fight. I do think that it's way diminished. And that's why I mentioned before, I would have switched up who he fought. Like mentioned, like just when I Twitter, I said, hey, if I saw this had happened. Takuru would be fighting pretty much a walkover-ish fight. And then I would go for Tang later. But it's just not building. Um, good building would be... I have a fight card. This champion fights this guy. This champion fights this guy. And then these two champions fight 
together down the road. That's the boxing model of it. But for sure, I want a guy coming off of a big win against a guy coming off of a big win to fight each other. To have two guys possibly come off of losses and then fight each other, I, I don't know if that, uh, I don't feel like that will have the successful accomplishment. But in the end, it's going to be name brand that builds this fight. It's going to be the Takuru name brand against the Ratang name brand. That is where it's going to be off. And that's what's going to bring the fight together. So people are still going to watch it no matter what. I just feel like the feel to it, to have something on the line, would build it more. It's always going to be more impressive if your two best fighters meet in the K1 World Grand Prix Championship. Always, always, always. Because then you're going to like, hey, they proved themselves on their way to the tournament, uh, to the title. They proved themselves. These are the guys. You know, like for sure that is a better build towards I can't wait to see this person versus this person. But we are for sure in a situation where Superlight could play spoiler and he could have wins over both guys. I don't know what you do with him after that, but then we could have Takuru and, you know, Ratang fighting in the we lost to Superlight Bowl. Just something that I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I love kickboxing. These are two high-level fighters. They're going to put on a show. Uh, they say it's for Superlex title. That would make it cool if Takuru could win because then it sets up a championship bout for the Ratang. But if he loses and then you do Ratang, it just, uh, the feel from it is for sure taken a little bit. So I'll go ahead and close the podcast there. Doing some talking today, but I hadn't been around in a while and I wanted to make sure I was patient and gave you a full breakdown and some full reasons I want to give you some technical. I didn't want to just give you some the results and this person won five fights. I wanted to really sit and rest in it. So thank you guys for listening to the podcast. God bless. Next week, be sure to listen because it is this episode and next week episode in particular are episodes I want you to share with other people. I want them to be excited about what's coming in the kickboxing world. So get behind kickfighting, you know, stay strong, be together, and I'm excited about the opportunities that are coming our way. God bless everybody. Peace.